didn't lose a bunch of materialistic things in present day, like a fancy car or a house. However, I, I don't work anymore at the same job that I've had for over almost 22 years. Did I honor God in the bitter bites of my life? No, I was angry and bitter with him, dealing with my declining health and personal issues at home. God, where do I go from here? What will happen to my hair that I once cherished? In these bitter bites of my life, God didn't, God didn't inflict me with cancer because I didn't deserve to be healthy. I woke up in the recovery room on September 12th with a change of heart. With a compassion for my mom that I, thought I ha- that I thought I really did have, he has given me a new lease on life, a peace and turmoil, joy where there should be sorrow. He has shown me a beauty that runs deeper than the hair follicles or makeup that I thought covered the ugliness of my heart. I have found sweetness in these sour moments of my life, for I know my God will never leave me or forsake, or forsake me when I feel I have failed. Thank you. Thank you for assuring us that suffering is never wasted when we place our confidence in who you are, what you have done, and what you're capable of doing. If you guys could extend your hands towards Jennifer, we'd just like to speak a prayer over her and bless her. Father God, I thank you so much for my sister Jennifer, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to her through this tough and desperate time, Father God. You are a God who never leaves or forsakes us, Lord. You are a God who sees us, Lord God, and your heart is moved with compassion, Lord God. When we hurt, Lord, you hurt, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are steadfast, that you are steady, Lord God, that you are with her every step, every second, every minute of this ordeal, Lord God. And you have brought her into a beautiful, sweet pasture, Father God. Father God, I pray you bless my sister with your presence, Lord God, with the manifest, tangible feel just she would just know that she knows that she knows that you are with her lord god that your banner over her is love lord because that's what your word says lord that your banner over us is love lord god father i also pray for peace for my sister lord god peace that makes her whole complete and lacking no good thing lord peace that comes down from you lord god because you are our peace lord god i thank you lord god for continued healing in her body lord god that you would just reorder things lord god you are god of restoration and i thank you lord god for physically restoring my sister lord god in the mighty name of jesus lord god give back everything that the locust has stole lord god because that's who you are and that's what your word said lord god that you will give back double, triple, and a hundredfold, Lord God, what the locusts has thrown, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that that blessing would be bestowed on my sister, Lord God. And she would sing, and she would dance, and she would sing praises and hymns to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, be glorified in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord. We already had church today, didn't we? And God is good. You know, I love seeing 
people get baptized. I especially love seeing young people get baptized because if we, if we can get people while they're young to give their heart to the Lord, there's so much that they could be protected from. So many things. Well, you're going to have to bear with me just a little bit today. I am overcoming a sinus infection. Today I was able to wake up and, and talk with a pretty decent voice, so we're going to bring this because God is good. Amen? For those of you who may be new here and don't know who I am, my name is Joy. My husband, Josh, and I are the founding pastors here at Vision Ministries. And um, God has a calling on our life to plant churches. So we planted this church 10 years ago, uh, well, almost 11 years ago around Thanksgiving time. And uh, Pastor Earl and Renee, we look at them as, as the mom and pop of this church. They're, they're the... Uh, pastoral care, our camp, campus pastors, and they're just doing an awesome job. Uh, about a year ago now, the Lord um, really put it on our heart uh, a little over a year ago that we were going to plant a new church, and that's what we've been doing here in Waterville. And we knew that the only way for us to really be able to step into what God has called us to do is that our team around us, Pastor Owen Renee and Pastor Albert and um, Pastor Dorinthia, would have to help um, step up to caring and taking care of the people in this community, and they have done such a tremendous job. So I don't feel like I get time enough to honor them, and so I just want to take a moment and say thank you to Pastor Earl and Renee. Just can we take a moment? And I want to take a moment, too. I have no idea where my brother, Pastor Elber, went, but I'm sure he's working and doing some behind-the-scenes stuff. But if we could take a moment to also thank Pastor Elber and Pastor Dorinthia. They have just been doing an amazing job. And all of our pastoral team here, Pastor Angel and, and Steve with our youth, and Pastor um, Dawn and her husband Ben with the kids and the behind-the-scenes stuff that they do, we really have an amazing team. And so, um, you know, we, Josh and I, just... We just appreciate so much uh, what our team has done and, and all of the amazing people here. You guys are such a giving community and such a um, faith-filled community. And I just know that God has so much more in store for you. And I'm just really looking forward to what all that is going to be and what all God is going to do in your life. The good work he began in you, he will bring to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is one of my life verses because it reminds me no matter where I'm at, he's not done. <laughs> no matter what season or what stage, he's not done and he is still moving and he's going to receive the glory. And so, friends, don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, don't give in and stand firm to the end, and you're going to see God do some amazing things in your life. And so as you came in this morning, hopefully you received a bulletin. You might notice that we are on a different sermon series this week. Pastor Joshua is over at Waterville starting it up, and I'm starting it up here. And this series is called Tuned In. Can you look to your neighbor and say, you need to tune in today? Tune in. Pay attention. Look at, I'm looking at y'all. Don't be surprised if I weave in and out of the chairs because I tend to do that sometimes. Don't be falling asleep on me today. You got to tune in. See, I'm ready to tune in. We got to tune in today because God wants to speak to us. And so I was super excited and um, been preaching series now for, uh, a, well, senior leading for, like I said, a little over 10 years. But I have never recalled Josh and I doing a series on hearing the voice of God. And what is interesting is I remember several years ago, we took a 
a survey asking people what they wanted to, you know, learn or grow in. And I remember uh, a lot of people said that they, they would like to understand discerning the voice of God or hearing the voice of God. And I realized there's a lot of Christians that don't know how to or don't understand how to hear the voice of God. And if you're not hearing the voice of God in your life, how do you know what direction to go in? It is one of the most vital, important things as a Christian is to be able to hear God when he speaks. <laughs> and so this next uh, six weeks, we're going to really break down some important truths and how we can hear God. But before we get into exactly how we can hear God today, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to start this series out by saying, these are a few things that can block us from hearing God. These are a few things that can hinder us from hearing God. How many of you guys ha- um, have ever had a cell phone um, where you had a hard time hearing somebody when you were try- trying to talk to them? Mm-hmm. I think it's time for me to update my phone, but I'm telling you, there's certain places like the, in the basement of this church is where our offices are. It's probably one of the most inconvenient places to have a hard time receiving reception. But for some reason in that basement, if I try to get on my cell phone and talk to somebody, I have a hard time hearing them and they have a hard time hearing me. Sometimes I literally have to say, hold on one moment. And I step outside and I step into the parking lot to talk to somebody if I'm in the basement of the church because I can't hear them. I'm having a hard time hearing them and they're having a hard time hearing me. Sometimes we need uh, our receiver to be adjusted a little bit. See, the scripture that this entire series is based on is John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. But the thing is, friends, is to be tuned in is to be attentive and receptive to somebody or something. It's like an old radio, like the picture that we have here, the old radio that sometimes you have to make adjustments because you can't quite, you're not getting the signal right and you can't quite, it's staticky and you can't quite make out what's going on. Well, friends, sometimes in order for us to be receptive to God, sometimes we need to make adjustments in our life that will allow us to hear his voice clearly. And so today I want to talk about some adjustments that you may need to make in your life so that you can hear him because his sheep hear his voice. And if you are here today and you're saying, I don't hear God's voice in my life. I don't know how to discern the voice of God. I'm not quite sure what God is speaking to me. I'm not quite sure the direction that he's called me to walk in. I'm not really sure if I should go this to my right or to my left. I'm not really sure what God is speaking to me. Friends, his sheep hear his voice. And if you're not hearing his voice, there might be something that, there might be a barrier in your life that's blocking you from hearing him. And I'm here to tell you that if you would just make some minor adjustments in your life, um, friends, God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. That's good news. You're too far away today. Help me out. I mean, he let me struggle up here like a penguin for a minute, but thank you, Pastor Earl. Thank you for getting up and helping me out. (laughs) I like to be a little closer. They didn't want me to spit on them today. They said, oh, Pastor Joy's got a cold and I don't want that. It's good news when God wants to speak to us. Y'all don't 
seem excited enough to understand. It's good news that God wants to speak to us. But there's a few things that we, not, we may need to adjust. There's sometimes barriers, sometimes blockades that keep us from hearing God. How many of you guys got teenagers or have had teenagers before? <laughs> you know when that teenager gets in a bad mood and they put their earphones on real, it, they, they, they plug them in there, right, and they walk away. You know they ain't hearing you. <laughs> sometimes we do that to God. God is speaking, but... We don't really want to hear what he has to say right then, so we like put our earphones on and we're, t- we're tuned into something else. There's something that may be blocking you. And so today I want to break down four things that could be blocking you from hearing God's voice. Four things, four barriers that keep you from hearing his voice. And I believe that if you remove these things, that you're going to hear his voice like never before. And I'm telling you, when you hear God's voice, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in the entire world that when you know that you hear God's voice and you can walk and you're in the perfect will of God and you can live the abundant life, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. So the very first thing is unbelief. All four, are, all four of these things are going to start with a B, except for this one because I'm using my poetic license here. And it's going to be un and then belief. Okay, God wants to help us in our unbelief. Unbelief could be very well um, the main thing that's keeping people from hearing God's voice. Do you know that the scripture says that in Matthew 13, 48, Jesus was not able to do many miracles due to unbelief of the people in the place that he was ministering? He He wasn't able to do, even Jesus wasn't able to do a whole lot of miracles because of unbelief. Unbelief hinders us from hearing God's voice. And if we can't hear God's voice, then we can't act in his perfect will. We can't walk in his perfect will. And therefore, his presence isn't going to be as powerful and and potent in a place as it should be. And so we have to make sure that we don't have unbelief in our life. See, it's possible to believe God will speak to us today, but maybe we believe that we're not worthy enough of him speaking to us. I took a little poll um, this week on my Facebook on Wednesday when I was talking a little bit about some things that stand in our way from hearing God. And I was kind of saddened to see so many people say, well, they just sometimes don't think they're good enough to hear God's voice or or, um, that God wouldn't choose to speak to them. We have this deception in the American uh, and Western church, especially that, that God speaks to the anointed ones or the special ones, and that he doesn't speak to all of his people. And that is a lie of the enemy. God wants to speak to all of his people. And so, friends, if you are in this place today and you doubt that he wants to speak to you, friends, you need to tell the devil, go in Jesus' name, because that's a straight-up lie of the devil. If you are in this place and you don't believe you're good enough for God to speak to or God to use or God to minister through, friends, you need to tell the devil, shut up with all that in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. He wants to speak to you. And so, friends, I don't want to just tell you the barriers that can keep us from hearing God's voice, but I want to tell you how you can overcome these barriers. And so you can overcome unbelief by this. The scripture has a a, kind of cool little um, story that takes place in the Gospels. And it's found in Mark 9, and I don't have time to read all of it. But basically, there was a father that had a son who was 
um, demon possessed at the time, and he was. Uh, Many scholars believe maybe he was epileptic and had some different health things going on, but he would convulse and he would end up throwing himself into fire when fire was around or into water and trying to drown himself. And so if you can only imagine if you're a parent in this place, if your child was being tortured like that, how hard that would be as a parent. (laughs) Well, this father was just beyond himself. And so he went to Jesus's disciples and he tried to have Jesus's disciples to pray over the boy and to see the boy healed or set free from this tormenting spirit. And well, nothing happened. How many of you have ever been there? It's like, I, I, I just talked to a, a son in the Lord and I'm just, just going through some things. And, and I'm so grateful for this son in the Lord that he was able to at least be real before the Lord and just say, you know what? Sometimes I just get frustrated with God because I'm suffering in my body this way or this situation is going on. And I've prayed, but God hasn't heard my prayer. How many of you guys have been there? Right. And so this is where, where this man is at. He's like, listen, I, I made, I, I made my way to where Jesus was and I found his disciples and, and they couldn't do anything. And so in frustration, he finally made his way to Jesus. And, and, he, and he goes to Jesus and he says, you know, I took my son to your disciples, but nothing happened. You know, can you, can you heal him? And Jesus looks to him and says, can I? <laughs> Anything is possible for those who believe. But then the man said something that I think is so real. So important, friends, because we've all been in that place when we ask God, can you fix my finances? Can you fix my marriage? Can you help my children? Can you help me get out of this rut that I have been in? And God looks at us and says, can you? Can I? Can I? And then we have to answer again. Mark 9, 24, the man says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Friends, some of us are in this place today, and we do believe God. We believe that God is is God, that he is the one true God. We believe that he sent his only son that died on the cross for our sins. But we have a hard time believing that he cares about our life right now, what we're going through. We believe that he's this far off God that is too busy to care about my sickness, my pain, my marriage, my trouble. And because we believe like that, we're not receiving all that God has for us. And we are not walking in the fullness. And so we need to just be real and say, you know what? I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. Get bold and ask God to speak to you. And if you already hear him, then ask him for more. Ask him to increase your faith. And if you're still struggling, guess what? At the end of Mark 9, when the disciples come back to Jesus and say, well, well, we tried praying over this boy and it didn't work for us. What what, what can we do? And Jesus looked at him, looked to his disciples and said, well, some only come out with prayer and fasting. Friends, right now we're calling our church to this 21-day prayer. We've already went through a week. If you've not joined us, you can join us for the next two weeks. If you joined us and messed up, I did. I'll confess to everybody. You can get back right and finish out the two weeks strong. Because God is full of grace and some only come out with prayer and fasting. That's what he said to his disciples. He said, well, because some only come out with prayer and fasting. Sometimes we're just trying to do what we've seen 
others do, and it doesn't work for us. And we're like, but hold up. But Lady D, when she worships and gets into it, she gets down low, and I got down low, and I didn't get my breakthrough. You ain't Lady D. (laughs) You are you. You are who God made you to be. I get low sometimes with it, though, Lady D. You've inspired me. We've got our breakthrough the way God has called us to get our breakthrough. And that means with prayer and fasting, and he will show you. Stop imitating and trying to copy off of somebody else and get before the Lord. And he's going to show you what you need and everything that you need. But you got to be real and say, God, help me in my unbelief. God, increase my faith. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you have some unbelief in your life, get into the word and pray and ask God to make that word come alive to you. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore, I tell you, whoever, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We need to say, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. How many of you guys need to get rid of that barrier of unbelief in your life today? Come on. And let it go. Another barrier that keeps us from hearing God's voice in our life is bondage. Can you say bondage? Mm. John eight thirty four says, Verily, truly, I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Friends, when I say bondage, I am not talking about just the occasional slip of sinning. I'm not talking about when the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. I'm talking about habitual sin. I'm talking about sin that becomes a habit and it becomes a stronghold in your life. I'm talking about sin that you run to when you are feeling down, sin that you use as your pet to comfort you. I'm talking about sin that is your crutch. I'm talking about sin that is a habit in your life that you cannot seem to break on your own. I'm talking about habitual sin today. That when we fall into habitual sin, friends, it becomes a bondage in our life. And God wants to break that bondage so that we could have true freedom. There's a lot of people who don't realize that, that they have bondage in their life because they, like I said, they have made this um, kind of their comfort. Instead of God being their comfort, they run to this sin to comfort them, this bondage to comfort them. And friends, this is the thing. When we do that, we will never walk in the fullness that God has. Um, I was reading pa- uh, Pastor Dorinthia's new book. If you guys haven't got it yet, you need to get it. Um, and there's a quote there that says, disobedience or sin separates us not only from his blessing, but from his presence. Friends, bondage will separate us not only from his blessing. You wonder, why don't I have a blessed life? It's going to separate you from the blessing, but also from his presence. God has more for you, but you've got to break the bondage. And I'm going to tell you right now, the first step in breaking bondage off your life is to repent. Look to your neighbor and say, repent. Repent. Now look to yourself and say, just kidding, that was for me. Repent. (laughs) It's easy to look to our neighbor and say, repent, but it's hard to be like, I got to repent. Oh man, repenting is not easy. You know, repent, all it means is to turn, is to change. It's a change of heart, mind, and direction. That is what repent means. And that is the first step to break bondage off your life is to turn. Because you know what? If you, to turn, but not just to turn. Not to turn away from God, but to turn in towards God. 
Jonah turned and he turned away from God and he found himself running because he didn't feel like doing what God told him to do. Sometimes we can't hear God's voice because we just don't want to do what he's telling us to do. Come on, somebody. We heard him. We just don't want to hear him. How many of y'all got like a a husband or or, or a wife that, you know, they hear you, but they ain't listening to you, right? That's how we do God sometimes. Like, I hear you, but I ain't listening to you. Friends, let's not turn away from God, but let's turn into God. Psalms 190 or 139, 23 and 24. So good. (laughs) Excuse me. One of my favorite Psalms. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. (laughs) Repentance is the first step. It's the first step of breaking bondage, breaking that habitual sin off of our life. But friends, some of us need to go a little further. Now, when I first married my husband, he's, so, he's still so bold for God. But I know him now, you know, after 16 years. Back, back then, we were just engaged. And I didn't really know him as like I know him now. And I remember we had like a, I don't even know what, it was like a night service. I'm not even sure what it was. But he wanted to be just so right with God that he did not care how he looked or the embarrassing, anything that might seem embarrassing. But, you know, I was new into a relationship with him, so it was a little embarrassing for me. I remember being right back by the sound room, and he came up here, and he was so excited. It was testimony time, and he got up there, and he was like, I've been set free. I've been set free. God has set me free from masturbation. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? What am I about a married? <laughs> but he did not care of how that might be embarrassing. Matter of fact, he says, if you don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass you. And he said, forget that. I'm going to embarrass this sin. I've been set free. I felt God deliver me from it. I repented. And, I, and he said he felt something literally lift off him. And was set free and until this day has never fallen into that sin again because he was truly set free. And it was before we got married, friends, he was set free. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God that I didn't have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> some things you need deliverance for. And he needed deliverance for that. <clears throat> there were some lust issues in his life, some generational things, and he needed deliverance for it. I want to talk to you for just a minute about deliverance. Like, I, It could be a whole a whole sermon series. It could be weeks of teaching on deliverance. But I'm going to just give you a nugget. Some people have bondage in their life, habitual sin that they can't get free from because you need someone stronger than you. It's a stronghold. And the only way to break a stronghold is you need a stronger stronger man to break that, and that is Jesus. And so you may need deliverance. Deliverance 101, I call them the three R's. Say three R's. Repentance. You need to repent. That, again, it means turn away from the sin and turn towards God. It's a change of heart, mind, and direction. You, you need to call it for what it is. If it's, if it's pornography, I repent for looking at things that I shouldn't look at. If it's, if it's uh, drug abuse, I repent of going to drugs as, as to make me feel better instead of going to God. I repent, whatever it is. And then it's renouncing. Renouncing means you no longer have hold of me. You no longer have a hold of me 
pornography, masturbation, drug abuse. You no longer, you are no longer my Lord. You are no longer the one I serve. You are no longer the one I run to when I am in trouble. I renounce you. And then it's rebuke. I tell you to go in the name of Jesus. We've got to learn to pray again, saints. We've got to learn to declare the things of God, to break bondage off our life, to stop making excuses, and to get real with it. I remember when I was like, I had rebellion, boy, on me, super strong. And now I got saved as a teenager. And um, I, when I was ready for, for real, I was in college, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. And I remember going through prayer and, and just asking the Lord to search me and going through some deliverance. And the littlest thing that God would bring to my attention I took serious. I, I had my ears pierced at that time up here. And I did that behind my parents' back. And I know it might seem silly. It's not like this huge whatever sin or whatever. But the Lord showed me I was trying to break rebellion off of my life. And he showed me how I did that. And that was years ago behind my mom's back. And I lied about my age when I had it done or whatever. You have to be 18. I think I was only 17, you know. And it's small. Some people are like, oh, wow, pastor, that's like such a huge sin. But for, for me, God showed me that. I took those earrings out, and now I'm an adult. Uh, I, at this time, I think I was 19, legal adult anyway. You know, I, I don't think I was really grown until about 25. So anyway, I went over to my parents' house, or to my parents' house and I told my mom, I said, mom, and she's like, oh, and she even kind of laughed at me. <laughs> like, oh, honey, it's okay now. You know, you're 19 now. I know it's okay, but I want to repent to you because I was rebellious. And at the time, I lied, and I was under your roof, and you told me to wait till I was 18, and I was 17, and I shouldn't have done it, and I'm, I'm repenting, and I'm taking these out. And, and, and I went to her about it. Friends, sometimes we're like, oh, that's silly. I'm grown. I don't got to do that. Well, you're just, you hear God's voice, but you ain't listening. You ain't listening because you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to look foolish. You don't want to look silly. But the Bible says it's the foolish things of this world that he uses to confound the wise. So when you hear God's voice speak, especially when it has to do with bondage in your life, girlfriend, brother, you got to listen. You got to listen. And you got to do what it takes to get your freedom. The power there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. We love to sing that song. This, that is probably this. If we had to pick one song over this church, that would be the song, wouldn't it? I, I really believe that. It doesn't, if, if for some reason we're dragging in worship because people don't want to get up off their butt, they're stuck in whatever their feelings are at the time. If Lady D busts out that song also, oh, for the Holy Ghost, people are jumping up here and, oh, and we're getting down and shaking and breaking and, and I mean, bondage is breaking and we just feel so good. When that song is being played. <laughs> but friends, breaking bondage is more than a song. It is a lifestyle. But there's truth to that song that it's the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus that breaks bondage. And so we got to, we got to go before the Lord and say, God, is there anything in me? Is there anything in me still that, that I need to repent from? Because if you are having a hard time being in the presence of God, if you have not heard the voice of God in your life, I can guarantee you there's probably some unrepentant sin in your life that's keeping you from hearing his voice. Start there. Start with repentance. God, show me. Search me. Show me if there's anything that's keeping me from you. How many of you guys want to hear his voice? We've got we to gotta take it to the next level then. <clears throat> Another barrier that keeps us from hearing the voice of God is bitterness. <clears throat> mm, bitterness. That element tastes good saying it. Bitterness. Hmm. 
Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. What's falling short of the grace of God? That no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. Friends, bitterness can keep you from receiving the grace of God. Why? Because we receive grace, we receive forgiveness as as we forgive others. And bitterness can keep us from receiving the grace of God in our lives. I need grace. How many of y'all need grace? I need grace because I still mess up. I still fall short. I need grace. And so who am I to not give that grace to other people? I I looked up what bitterness means. I mean, I, I felt like I knew what it meant, but I wanted to get a better definition, and I really liked what I found. It says a feeling of deep anger and resentment. Bitterness is an emotion. Say emotion. Which encompasses or encompasses both anger and hate. Often people who are bitter appear to the world as just going around ticked off at everyone and everything. Except for it said the P word, but my husband really hates that word, so I changed it to the T word. But that's what, that's what it said. It's people who go around ticked at everybody and everything. How many of y'all met some people like that? Woo! If you've ever worked customer service, you can tell. My son gave me a really good compliment a couple weeks ago. He said, Mom, you're really nice when you, uh, to the people who wait on you. Like, wherever I go, I'm like, well, honey, I said, they deal with all kinds of people. So if I have an attitude, I ain't going to give it to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you've ever been a waitress or a waiter or a server of de- dealing with customer services in any kind of way, People come in there in all kinds of ways, and you can, you can see the bitter ones coming in from a mile away. Ticked off at the world. How many of you guys have a friend that's ticked off at the world? Come on. How many of you know somebody who's just ticked off at the world? However, bitterness is often the result of some past event that has hurt, scared, or jaded the person. <laughs> Scarred or jaded the person. Come on, friends. This is what happens when you hold on to hurt and resentment or grudges. Then you're not going to be able to hear God because your heart is hardened. And not only will you not be able to hear God, friends, but you're going to hold yourself as a prisoner. If you hold on to resentment and unforgiveness like that, you got to learn to let it go and to let God. James 1.19 One of my favorite, uh, I keep saying one of my favorites, but (laughs) I just love the word of God. But this is one of the ones I had to memorize, but I'm doing it in a different translation. I've memorized this in, in the NIV, but I like what it says in the English Standard Version. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Say quick to hear. In the translation I, I learned, it said quick to listen, but I like this. Say it again, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteous life of God. Some of you don't live in righteousness or right standing with God because you're too bitter. You're too angry. You keep holding on to things that you should let go of. And you can't be right with God if you're holding on to these things. You can't be right with God. The Bible says, how can you love a God you don't see and hate the brother that you do see? You know what I mean? We, we've got to learn to let, we need, we've got to learn to let go and let God deal with people. Let God be our defender. God recently really kind of spoke to me about this when I was praying about bitterness and, and um, 
I was really praying about anger because, you know, every, every one of us has that sin that's crouching at the door that wants to get us. And 20 years into serving God, I thought I was completely set free from any kind of, of anger like that. I mean, yeah, I get angry here and there or whatever, but I didn't realize like it was like such a stronghold in my life that I had to surrender once again until some things hit home in a personal way with some of my family members. And my reaction my first reaction was anger. And I realized the reason I was reacting in anger is because I was hurt. And so the Lord spoke to me through my mentor and he said to overcome this, that I need to change my posture. And I want to talk to those of you who deal with anger and, 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 and anger in itself. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Anger is not sin in itself. God got angry. Jesus got angry. It's not anger. Anger is not sin. But if you Anger can lead to sin, especially if it leads to bitterness, friends, or if it leads to rage and some of these malice and hate and some of these things. And so we have to guard ourselves. My reaction when I'm hurt is to lash out and angry. You hurt me, I want to hurt you. That's my, that's my natural tendency. That's how I'm built. That's my type A personality. That's, my, that's who I am. But I'm supposed to die to who I am. Just like my, just like timid people who their natural personality is to be timid, they have to die to who they are and they've got to learn to be bold. Well, my natural reaction is to, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to lash back out and I've got to learn to die and have a new posture. And so I've been asking the Lord, okay, a new posture, what does that mean? I felt like the Lord said, when you feel like you want to react in anger, instead go have a posture of prayer. A posture of prayer, there's different types of postures of prayer. You could be on your knees. You can be laid out before the Lord. The Lord has been showing me FaceTime again, what I call FaceTime, of getting just laying out on my face before God again. I'm saying, God, I surrender. There's all kinds of postures. There could be Jesus often looked up to heaven and prayed. But I mean, when I feel that hurt and my reaction, it wants to be angry instead I have to remind myself, and y'all can pray for your pastor for this one, posture of prayer, posture of prayer. And I believe that wasn't just for me because I feel like the Lord wanted me to release that over you today. That if you are dealing with bitterness and you are dealing with anger in your life, and, and that is your reaction when you get hurt, God wants to teach you a new way to react, a new way to react, a new posture, amen? And then finally, what I want to talk about today is the fourth barrier, and there's many more. I didn't have time to do all of them, but the fourth barrier that can keep us from hearing God's voice is busyness. I talked a little bit about this um, on Facebook this week, but busyness, an old acronym for busy is being under Satan's yoke. I'm going to talk to you about a parable that you've probably heard many times, or not even a parable, a story, actually, a true story in the New Testament, Mary and Martha. Luke 10, 38 and 42, it's just a few verses. Stay with me as we read this together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening, say listening, listening to what he had said. (laughs) But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better. Say better. What is better? And it will not be taken away from her. So many of us are like Martha, running around with many cares, all the preparations, all the things that have to be done that we don't choose the better thing. We don't choose to make time to be with God. And friends, if we don't make an appointment, if we don't make time, there's always going to be something that's going to get and interfere and get in the way. And sometimes we can look at other people and we can be jealous of them. We can compare ourselves to them, especially sisters and friends and females. We have a problem with this. I call it the comparison trap. We're always looking at someone else's life and we think that their life is easier. And, and they're, you know, sometimes I even look at and compare myself to different seasons, different people of different seasons. I'll compare myself to the retired lady and say, oh, when that happens, when that, when I could be there. I still got four kids. I can't be thinking of young kids in elementary school. One fine in middle school. I can't think about retirement yet. <laughs> God has a lot of work for me to do still. But come on, let's be real. We do that. We compare ourselves to one another and think, oh, well, they can, they can do that because they're in this season. Or they can do that because they don't have this going on. Or they can spend time with God because their husband works for a time and they could be a stay-at-home mom. You don't know what that person deals with. You are not in their life. You are not in their skin. So stop getting in it, hopping in their pocket, and get into your own life. Ooh, y'all got quiet for a minute. I hit a nerve. Hit a nerve. We're always comparing ourselves to other people. Martha did it. She, matter of fact, she got so mad, she went to Jesus complaining, like, get my sister. Y'all know I done said those prayers before. Except for us usually, get my husband, God. And almost every time, he's like, mm-mm, let's, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. And that's how it is. A lot of times we go, we go to Jesus complaining about someone else, and, and Jesus is like, let me talk about you. You ain't going to take away her time with God so that she can help you with the kitchen. Come on, ladies. We need to say amen. Jesus freed us from having to be in the kitchen all the time. <laughs> oh, man, I'm cracking myself up over here. <laughs> Oh, guys, I'm sick as a dog, but I love y'all. That's why I'm here. God is good. Listen to this. No amount of Christian activity compensates for an authentic relationship with Jesus. Right? No amount of Christian activity compensates for an authentic relationship with Jesus. Martha was going around serving and working. She was the busy one at the church, getting things done, taking care of the meals, taking care of the preparations, making sure the house was clean, making sure everything was good and ready. And we need that. (laughs) Jesus didn't say what she was doing was wrong. Her attitude was wrong, not her actions. And sometimes we can be busy serving God with a stinky attitude. And we think that we're, we're, he don't want to, that's not no offering to the Lord. That doesn't even look good. That doesn't smell good. That's not an offering to the Lord. You need to fix your attitude. You're stinking thinking. And then try to sit, get, get busy about the God, God's kingdom and see if it could be acceptable to him. But when we are just having a bad attitude and complaining about other people, I'm going to tell you, no amount of activity is going to keep you from, the, can, can compare to an authentic relationship with Jesus. Our ministry needs to be from the overflow of our relationship with him. 
And so that means we got to prioritize. That means we've got to learn to give our best yes. That means sometimes we can't say yes to everything because we got other things. And it's not that we don't, man, sometimes I'm like, I, I love to be involved in more than just what's going on at Vision Ministries. There's so many, I sit on a board of a nonprofit in the city and I, and I like to be involved in that. Sometimes I like to, I would like to be over here and help in this ministry or I, I have all these ideas and plans that I would like to do, but it's not the time for me to do all those things yet. And I've got to learn that sometimes I've all, I can only give my best yes. And if I can't give my best yes when I'm invited or asked to do something, I have to say no. And then I had to learn, and this was harder for me, that sometimes people got to tell me no. Mm. I feel like I have a yes anointing. So I usually ask somebody something and I expect a yes. And God had to show me that sometimes people have to give me a no. And I share that revelation with my husband, and he likes to point it out every time he tells me no. I wish I never shared it with him. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But seriously, sometimes we've got to realize that you can only do what you can only do, and I would rather you do whatever you are asked to do at this church well than try to do a thousand things like crap. Do what you do and do it well and to the best of your ability. And so if you're serving once a month in the nursery and that's all you can give, then don't go in there with a stinking attitude. You go in there and you're prayed up before you get into there, that thing. And you, listen, my Aunt Margaret is almost 70 years old and over at the Waterville um, location. And she goes in there and she is ready to serve those babies when it's her once a month duty to, sh- to serve those babies. And I'm like, if I'm looking at her and some of the other old ladies, oh, bless <laughs> older seasoned ladies over there <laughs> and if they can do it but they know their limits and they but they when they do it they do it well come on friends make your yes be your best yes and if you can't give your best yes then say no so how do we overcome busyness so that you can hear from God make time to listen to him. Make time to listen to him. You have the same amount of hours in your day as the pastor does, as Sister or Pastor Dorinthia does, as Pastor Earl does, as the President of the United States. You have the same amount of hours. You've got to prioritize time with God. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Not be busy and know that I am God, but be still and know that I am God. The scripture says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Elijah was having a little fit before the Lord. It happens sometimes. Even men of God have fits. He was having a fit. Now, he just did an awesome thing. This is found in 1 Kings 19. He just did an awesome thing, and he defeated all these prophets of Baal. And, I mean, it was a high note. But then the queen basically said, you know, made a vow that I'm going to kill this man this day. He just killed all my false prophets. I'm going after him. And he was afraid and frustrated. And in a fury, he ran away and threw a little fit. And this is where we find him in 1 Kings 19, 11, and 13. He, he goes out and stands on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Say, so the Lord 
was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Say earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Say fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Say low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing there, Elijah? Friends, sometimes it's in the whisper. Sometimes it's in the quiet. Sometimes it's in the, what theologians call the still small voice or the voice of peace that God wants to speak. And if we won't hear that voice of peace, we won't hear that still, small voice, if we are too busy running around looking like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to do something for God, God wants us sometimes to just be quiet so that we can hear him, so that we can tune in to what he's saying. Don't let busyness keep you from really having an authentic relationship with the Lord. It was busy people that went before uh, Jesus, when Jesus, when Jesus said, when they said to Jesus, well, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And he said, away from me, for I never knew you. They were busy doing things for Jesus, but they did not know Jesus. The seven sons of Sceva tried to cast a demon out of someone. That demon jumped out of them uh, 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 and said to the seven sons of Sceva, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who are you? And beat him up and to the point where he was naked and, ble- and bleeding. I used to tell my teenagers, don't be a skeeva believer. <laughs> Some of us are because we're so busy running around trying to do things for the kingdom, and yet we are not even right with God ourselves because we're not praying. We're not seeking his face. This is my biggest one, friends. It's so easy for me to be busy about ministry. And sometimes I have to say, no, I can't meet with you. Sorry, I can't answer the phone before 9 a.m. I, y'all don't want to talk to me before I talk to Jesus anyway. My own kids don't want to talk to me before I get a cup of coffee. Lord, help me. I'm giving that up on my fast and talk to Jesus in the morning. Trust me, you do not want to call me before I had my time with God. Because it's not pretty. We've got to know our limits, friends, and we've got to spend time in his presence. My question to you today, are you listening to the still small voice of God in your life today? If you don't have peace, it's because you're not making time to be in his presence. Would you stand to your feet with me? <laughs> There's so many other things that could be hindering you from hearing God's voice. But these are four things I felt the Lord wanted me to talk about today. If there's one of those things that are hindering you from hearing God's voice, maybe you've been in a place that you've been so busy that you have not spent time in his presence, and you just want to take a moment to repent from that. Could you just raise your hand before the Lord? Yeah. God wants you to prioritize time with him. Maybe you've been in a place that you have been reacting in anger and, and, and you have not realized that you have allowed bitterness to creep up in your heart and there's some people that you got to let go of and give to God. Can you raise your hand if you have some, some bitterness in your heart that you need to just give to God because it's keeping you from hearing his voice. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your honesty. Maybe you're in a place where you have some unrepentant sin 
You know that there's a bondage that you have went to. It's been your comfort. It's almost been your pet. You could name them Rover. (laughs) God wants you to get rid of that therapy demon, friends. That is not a therapy dog. That's a therapy demon, and he wants you to get rid of that. If there's some bondage in your life that you know you need a stronger man, you need Jesus to come set you free from, would you raise your hand? Yeah. Thank you. Maybe you're in this place and you believe, but you've had some doubt. You've had some doubt that God would really give you your breakthrough, that God would really give you the miracle that you need. If that's you in this place, would you raise your hand before the Lord? God is good. If you've raised your hand at all, would you take an extra step of faith and would you walk right down to this altar and allow us to pray with you? Because where two or three are gathered, he is in the midst. And I believe sometimes we need to have an extra step of faith and say, God, I've raised my hand, but God, I am taking a step up. I'm walking by faith and I'm saying, God, I want this barrier in my life to be broken so that I can hear your voice. So I can hear you speak to me because I need you more today than yesterday. I need you more than I've ever needed you before in my life. If you're one of our leaders, one of our pastors, um, or just a leader in this church, would you come? I want to have at least one person behind every person. Would you come stand right behind them, and we're going to pray for them. Before, Before we start praying, for them. Would all of us raise our hands before the Lord? I want to speak a blessing over them and over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. May you walk in grace and love today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you guys can just stay just a moment as we pray for some of these guys, and then as you feel led, you can go ahead and slip out. Thank you so much for coming today. We're going to pray for the people up here.